But the good news is this. Even though there's so many things that can stifle growth and there's so many things that the enemy tries to use, the only tactic he really has is his lies. He's the father of lies and he only wins when we choose to believe his lies. So it's our choice. But lie he does. And maybe you have succumbed to some of his lies in the last few weeks as you've tried to fast. Lies like, I need that piece of chocolate. I have to look on social media. I have to know what's going on. I want to numb out and just watch that show. I deserve it. Or it's not that big of a deal if I do this or I eat this. It's not that big of a deal. And the truth is that it's not perfection. Fasting is a practice. There are times we're going to fail, and as we've said the last couple of weeks, when we turn to God, his mercies are new. But the problem is, is we often look at it as, oh, I'm just giving up candy. Oh, I just turned, and I, I'm not going to eat that chocolate. I'm not going to look at social media, but we miss the point. When we let go and we say, I'm not going to eat that chocolate, and I'm going to turn to God instead, we are literally growing the kingdom of God in us and even around us. But the enemy is ruthless, and another tactic he uses is shame. We've all felt it. And shame and guilt can get confused. So to make it real simple, guilt is a feeling that I've done something bad. Shame, on the other hand, is I am bad. Guilt can be based on truth, or on a lie, and if not dealt with correctly, will grow into shame. And shame is often when we believe we have been or we have been found out. Guilt can be of God, shame cannot. And guilt when from the Holy Spirit, sometimes we call it conviction, is good. But it can only remain good when we choose to turn to God, humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness, give it to him, repent, and at times go to another person and ask for forgiveness. But the trouble is we don't always do that. And because we don't do that, it grows into shame. And forgiveness itself is a beautiful, if not, I believe, the most beautiful way to grow the kingdom of God. Forgiveness of accepting God's forgiveness, giving it to others, or going and actually asking forgiveness from another person. These are beautiful ways to grow God's kingdom, but the enemy knows this. And so unforgiveness, guess what that leads to? Shame every single time. And I don't find it ironic. I, I believe it's completely the way Jesus is. Because in the Lord's Prayer, if you notice, he prays, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then two lines later, guess what he's talking about? Forgiveness. Accepting God's and giving it to others. So I want you to consider this. When you feel guilt or feel shame, what do you tend to do? Because what we tend to do actually 
will either stop shame or it will encourage shame. So when you feel guilt about something that you did, do you, and it's a movement, go towards God or towards another person or do you tend to hide, withdraw, withdraw inside yourself or maybe even physically withdraw? Well, there is a well-known story I know you've heard before. It's at the very beginning of the Bible. It's where, where God created the entire world and everything was perfect and he made man and woman. And in Genesis 2:25, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And I, I've thought about this. <laughs> they weren't just naked like when they got in the shower. Like they were naked all the time. And I'm like, how do they feel no shame? <laughs> like really? I mean, nah, I won't go there. Anyways, <laughs> like all the time. But it was beyond that. It wasn't just physical nakedness. It was beyond that. It was emotional nakedness. It was exposing their hearts to each other and to God. They laid everything on the table, all their thoughts, their feelings, everything was open-hearted before God. And some of you are like, whoa, no, that causes vulnerability, no way. But that's how they were. And it says they felt no shame, which does not compute to us because literally sharing our whole heart with someone like everything immediately can lead to shame. But I believe they were at the point where they trusted God, they trusted each other, they bowed to his kingdom authority, his kingdom come, his will be done. And everything was perfect and God of course gave them everything except there was one tree in the middle of the garden and he said, don't eat that fruit. And I don't know about you, but when I know I can't have something, don't you tend to be close to it? And so I can see them walking around like, what's so special about this tree? So I believe they spent a lot of time walking around it. Well, as you know, along came the enemy in the form of a serpent, and he did everything he could to, believe, to get them to believe his lies. Here's some questions that probably went through their head. Is God really enough? Is he really trustworthy? Is he really good? Why is he keeping this from me? Does he not love me? Am I stupid to believe God? And I want you to look through this list and I want you to, to consider them and I want you to, to question, like, have you ever thought any of these? See, these are called shame scripts and psychologists say, that these, when they enter our minds, immediately can cause shame. And these are only a few of thousands. And they start when we're very young and they come at the craziest times and they get, to, they get us to question God and ourselves and they're based on lies. And as soon as we believe them, shame happens. Dr. Kurt Thompson says, he's a neuropsychologist and he says this, he says, shame doesn't just happen when we have sinned or when we've gotten embarrassed or made a mistake. Shame actually occurs even before that. 
Shame comes when we hear the shame script in our mind and then we feel it and believe it and we feel shame and then we all hate to feel shame. And so we cope with it by pushing it down and almost always doing something we shouldn't do. Eating something we shouldn't eat, watching something we shouldn't watch, lashing out at another person, hiding. And then as soon as we do something and we shouldn't know we shouldn't do it, guess what we feel again? Shame. And so Adam and Eve listened to the serpent, started to believe his lies, and felt shame. And then chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves." I don't know about you, but I've read this and thought, how dumb. They had everything they needed. Why would they do that? But the enemy is so crafty. The word serpent actually means shrewd or crafty because he knows how to push our most vulnerable buttons. And so little by little, he got Adam and Eve to question the truth about themselves and about God and to feel shame. It just says their eyes were open. It's like they're standing there and they're like, oh, man, we're naked. Eve, get some clothes on. It's like, you know, the dreams you have where you're like waking, you're like at school or at work and you're like, oh, I forgot to put my clothes on. <laughs> like those, those are awful dreams. Thankfully, they're dreams. But anyways, they, it was beyond that, remember? It wasn't just physical nakedness. I think we look at this and go, that's all it was, but it was beyond that. For the first time in their lives, they felt emotionally exposed. Their hearts were open. And so here's some of the shame scripts that I believe came through, through their minds. Things like, I'm bad, I'm stupid. I'm too bad for God. He truly doesn't want me now. I am alone. Again, have you ever thought any of these thoughts? And have they been shame scripts that have flooded your mind since you were young? You know, God loves us so much. But we forget. And so we can often cope with shame by doing something we shouldn't. And then we can feel shame again. And then guess what we do? We cope with it by doing something else. So if any of that list rings true, what do you normally do? Adam and Eve chose to hide. In Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And now they're naked, and now ashamed. And why now? God hadn't changed. 
Yes, they disobeyed God. But I think we read this and that's what we think, that's all it is. But the truth is this. The truth is they should have felt convicted. They should have felt guilt. But that should not have led to shame. Because remember, shame is not of God. See, when they felt that first twinge of guilt, when they heard that first shame script, they should not have let it grow into shame. They could have stopped shame in its tracks. And how? Well, Isaiah chapter 55 tells us how. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Let us, and then the next scripture, which is one of my favorites in Hebrews, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Turn to God. So consider this. Let's jump back into the Adam and Eve story and and, and think about this. What if as soon as they thought that first shame script, as soon as they ate that fruit, what if they would have dropped the fruit and ran to God instead? Instead of going into hiding, what if they would have turned and run to God? See, I believe they would have turned and run smack dab into his chest for he is right there with them, isn't he? Then what if they would have bowed low and humbled themselves, asked for forgiveness, told them, God, you are king, God, you are Lord, we are so sorry. What would he have done? Well, I know what he would have done. We know he would have scooped them up, he would have forgiven them, and he would have shown them how much he loves them. And then I think more than that, I think he would have said, now gather around, sit down on this perfect green grass, and I want to talk about your shame scripts. I want to forgive you, yes, and I do forgive you, but let's talk about these things. Remember them? You thought these thoughts, I am bad, I am stupid, I'm too bad for God, he truly doesn't want me now, I am alone And I believe God would have said, listen, listen, (laughs) you're not bad. You are good. You are not stupid. You are wise to come to me. You are never too bad for me. I always want you and you are never alone. Never alone. You are never alone. You are never alone. When you choose me, you are never alone. Then why did he say, where are you? Why did he say, Where are you? (laughs) He knew. He's God. But friends, I don't believe he says, where are you to us? Because I believe he says that to us too when we feel shame. I believe he says, where are you? Because he wants us to stop and process. Where are we? In response, in, in, in proximity to him. Where are we? Where are our minds? Where are our thoughts? 
Are we trying to push them away? Are we trying to push shame away? Are we trying to push him away? He says, where are you? Because he says, if you draw near to me, if you come to my throne with confidence, knowing that I will forgive you and you lay your sin and your shame at my feet, I promise to forgive you. I promise to take it away. I promise then to replace it with more of me, with freedom, with peace, with joy. So we have to choose, are we going to live for God's kingdom or are we going to go into hiding and live for ourselves? So here's our next step. Because I believe we all have times when we push God away, when we go into hiding. So we've been praying the last few weeks, your kingdom come, your will be done. So anytime you feel guilt or you feel shame, here's the prayer to pray this week. Lord, help me come out of hiding and run to you. Lord, help me come out of hiding and run to you, believing that when I do, and when I bow at your feet and ask forgiveness, you will freely pardon, you will give mercy every morning, every moment of every day. And so I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up, and they're gonna close us in a song, but before they do, I want you to stand with me. I'm gonna read some of the lyrics from that song, Come Out of Hiding. And what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture God saying these words to you. Come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. You've got your reasons, but... I hold your peace. You've been on lockdown and I hold the key because I loved you before you knew it was love and I saw it all still. I chose the cross and you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Now rid of the shackles, my victory's yours. I tore the veil for you to come close. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. I'll be your lighthouse when you're lost at sea. And I will illuminate everything. No need to be frightened by intimacy. No, just throw off your fear. Throw off your shame. Throw off your pride, your control, your doubt. Throw it all off and come running to me. Father God, you are here. You love us. You desire us to come as we are, not all cleaned up. <laughs> you want us to open our hearts to you and not just pieces of our hearts, but at all. You want us to lay down our pride, our control, our shame, our doubt, our fear to you and run to you every time. But God, we're weighted down by life. We're so weighted down by so many things that consume us, whether it be things internally or things externally, there's so much that we're struggling with. And this month we've tried to learn more about prayer and fasting and take some more time with you. But God, I pray in Jesus' name that we don't stop praying 
that we don't stop fasting, that we don't stop giving up ourselves and walking to you, for you are the one that gives freedom and peace and joy, no matter what we're dealing with. So God, help us to keep praying for our prodigals and praying for our breakthroughs and praying for our health issues, God. Help us to come to you every day knowing that you will hear and you will scoop us up in your arms because you love us so in Jesus' name, amen.